Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Holy crap, look at that. It's the 13th day of April, 2022. Welcome in. It's a Wednesday. This week is just flying by. I don't know about you. But for all of the excitement that we all collectively have about long weekends and such, everybody loves the extra day off, right? Problem is, and you know this, it just means that you got to get five or six days worth of work done in four days. Right? That's how it works. So as uh, Jamie Nickerson, one of our lead members, team members on Studios, Story Studio Network, I think I'd know that by now. She looks at my schedule and says, you're slammer jammered. I don't really know what it means, but I, 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 I kind of feel like that. Yeah. Just craziness. Telling you that we've been uh, busy in the studio for sure. But things get a little bit more, I don't know, intense because now you can be social. Right? We're getting out socializing more. I think I mentioned earlier, we did the story and the comment on Corey's Clothier shutting down after 70 years in business. Went out to the house that Saul Corman built. And bought a new suit because we're going to a wedding this weekend. Yeah. Young fella who, you know, I've known since probably he was preschool. Yep. He and I did some uh, training work. He wanted to run a triathlon, so I coached him through that. So it's kind of nice. And this is one of those cases where these two young people had planned on getting married in the summer of 2020 and they rescheduled it for 2021 and then they're back at it. So we're just so excited to be able to attend and celebrate with them, but also to see some old friends, right? This is one of those weddings where mom's friends got invited too. And his dad was a really good friend of mine, Jules Tonus, Andrew's dad. And uh, we were partners in crime. We, were, we ran a, um, a, a music choir. And um, Jules passed away in 2005 thanks to a thing called fucking cancer. The brain cancer. Anyway, we still remember him fondly. But we're all getting out and we're socializing. And this weekend we'll remember Jules and... All the things that he brought to our lives, including Andrew and Kristen, his big sister. Yep. She's got a baby and another one on the way. So we're socializing, right? 
I don't know about you, but my calendar's starting to fill up with a mix of online meetings. I had a whole bunch today. But I know that as the summer moves on, we're going to start to have in-person meetings, right? My friends at the radio station at News Talk 1010 are all slowly getting back into the studio. It's still a controlled event. But one of the things that is kind of in my inbox now is that, well, you know, when you're back in the office, let's get together and have coffee, right? We haven't done that in any measurable way or very often for more than two years. So to have a coffee now means something. Culturally, it means something to us in 2022 that it certainly didn't mean in 2020 or 2019 having a coffee becomes this touch point with us. So I thought I would share with you the genesis of what having a coffee meant that started, that kicked off a whole new podcast series that we produced. It was one of the early ones in Story Studio Network. So in the last little while, every once in a while during the Daily Brief here, we've been highlighting some of the uh, programs that we're doing, and it's just great content. This one's called Why Meaning Matters, and we launched it, I guess, I want to say last summer we started production, and we produced two seasons of Why Meaning Matters, so there are 24 shows already in the can on this one. And it's hosted by my partner in crime, Erin Trafford. She's the um, the CEO in the studio. And we co-founded this a year ago. Can you imagine? It's been a year. Yeah, to the almost to the day where I sent her a note said, do you have a minute for a chat? <laughs> and I had this kind of show in mind when I was talking to her about it. And things lit up from there. And so it was over a coffee meeting that we were able to discuss the parameters of the show Why Meaning Matters. And it's hosted or co-hosted by two other guys. They are the founders of a company called Motive Base. And essentially what they do is they explore the meaning, the cultural meaning of words or conventions that we take for granted. And in the very first episode, we thought it would be important to talk about the meaning of coffee. Culturally, it has a significant impact. And how marketers are able to, or don't, take advantage of understanding the meaning of coffee if they're selling coffee. And and this whole series is based on that idea. We did a whole thing about, you know, the meaning of gender as it pertains to superheroes. Really cool stuff. Anyway, it's, you know, these are short, bite-sized shows run between 12 and 14 minutes. And I thought, yeah, you know what? We're getting back to getting together for a coffee. So what does that really mean to us? Why meaning matters? With Aaron Trafford, Ujwal Arkalgood, and Jason Partridge. So, what exactly do you mean when you say, what do you mean? 
I do not understand this. This really confuses me. What's that supposed to mean? What's that supposed to mean? What's that supposed to mean? I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? What's that supposed to mean? Cultural anthropologist Ujwalar Kalgood and Motive Base president Jason Partridge will tell you that perception and meaning are the primary pressure points that shape and create the world we live in. Inconceivable! You keep using the word. Let's explore why meaning matters. I don't think it means what you think it means. Now, here's your host, Aaron Trafford. All right, welcome to show number one. And we have a lot to unpack in this show, I think. So the best place to start today, I really think is the most obvious place, which is attempting to answer the question we're asking in the name of the show, why meaning matters. And and what's interesting to me or what I'd like to uncover a little bit is the dichotomy between meaning at the individual level and then at the cultural level. And I think if we look at things through those lenses, we're going to end up with a really great conversation and, and, and going places. So Ujwal, let's chat about this over coffee, because that's really where this all started yeah. was a conversation about coffee and the culture of coffee. And I say this as I'm sitting here sipping like my fifth cup of the day already. So <laughs> it's a natural place to start, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. I was just uh, enjoying a nice cup of joe with a friend of mine last weekend. And, and he said, here's something I didn't know about coffee, uh, that I somehow needed five tasting notes uh, about this cup of joe in my life. You know, and, and I think that's a great place to start because speaking of cultural meaning or meaning that gets established in culture, coffee is one of those, one of those cultures, one of those things that has completely transformed in the last decade suddenly now when we buy coffee there are four or five major vectors of meaning that we are absorbing and dealing with in the decisions we make was this coffee uh, farmed ethically were the workers paid well you know what are the tasting notes like will this coffee bean work well with whatever intricate machine or system i have at home there's so much to it now and you know, one could argue that the world of coffee has sort of become just as complex as the world of wine or even beer. But I think this is what's fascinating about how meaning changes over time. And Jason, when we were young, like and our parents would put us in the car, you know, Saturday morning, we're going to go to the grocery store, then we're going to go to the park, whatever we were doing, like the coffee stop wasn't the th wasn't a thing. It was completely different when we were growing up. It's completely different. I mean, even this morning, I think about the the pressure that got put on me as I went to a Starbucks and my wife wanted a, a vanilla latte and uh, the lineup was so big and I'm looking at my watch and I know that we've got things to do and kids to get to daycare. And God forbid, I had to just get her a dark roast with milk because I didn't have time to wait for them to prepare it. And there was this <laughs> fear and trepidation of, of me going back with something that just didn't live up to the expectation. So, okay, like vectors of meaning and decision making, like uh, break that down for me because I'm I'm also the same way. I'm standing there in the Starbucks coffee line. I'm worried I'm going to be judged for my order being too simple, but then I'm worried that I'm going to take too long if my order is too complex. Like from the individual level, what do, how do we tie this back to meaning and yeah. 
also, can you confirm that it can feel exhausting sometimes? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, speaking of exhausting, I'll give you a great example. Uh, You know, the last wave of the pandemic, uh, India was really reeling. And there were literally mass cremations happening in New Delhi. And there was a photo tweeted by a Washington Post journalist, uh, Annie Gowen, and in the in the tweet, she said stunning images of mass cremation. And I use this example because clearly, I mean, we all know she meant she meant, you know, shocking. She meant devastating. But she used the word stunning. And of course, the Twitterverse in India, including a lot of reputed journalists in India, got very upset. And they said, you know, this is sort of uh, this is a an insensitive comment. And of course, her response was, look up the dictionary. Stunning can be used in a positive and a negative context. The reason I bring this example up is because, you know, is she right? Technically, yes, but culturally, no. Because if you look at the word stunning, when is it most often used in culture? Stunning places to visit, you know, stunning homes, stunning this, stunning that, stunning, you know, people, men and women or, you know, beautiful faces. Stunning is implied beauty. It's positive. It's not something that's devastating and heartbreaking and gut-wrenching. And I and this is what's special about the world of meaning. It's not about what is technically true. It's about how a word is used, what context it is placed into in culture that defines its meaning. I also think it's really interesting, Ujwal, because, you know, the role of the journalist is to report and connect with the reader. And when we think about companies that are trying to connect with the consumer, they're in a very similar place where sometimes what they think is what something means is not what the consumer thinks it means. And the challenge is, is that if there's that disconnect or there's that kind of gap that sits there, that's where people can get in trouble like that journalist did. Mm-hmm. So part of the brilliance that you two bring at Motive Base is unpacking all of this for the people that you work with and putting it into context and and having actionable insights there. So and and you gave me a quote from Bill Gates which I want to reference here so that we can really dig into the next layer which is this cultural meaning layer. He said, "We always overestimate the change that will occur in the next 2 years and underestimate the change that will occur in the next 10." Yeah. So if we look at that quote which I think is very true, and we back up from today, 10 years, right? We're at the end, well, we're coming out of arguably, I don't know, you guys tell me, like one of the biggest financial crises of our generation. What what did we learn? Like what happened then and how have meanings changed since then? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. The I think the reason why the Bill Gates quote, and I think it's more than 20 years old, if I remember correctly, The reason why it's so powerful is because traditionally speaking, even today, most companies, they predict where culture, where shifts are happening. They they use behavior data to predict. And the problem with behavior is it changes a lot in the short term and flip flops a lot. And it makes it very difficult to model it. You know, the pandemic is a great example, right? We're still buying with constraints because we don't have access to things or, you know, things aren't available in the same way and, you know, shipping delays and blah, blah, blah. And the same was true even 10, 20 years ago, even coming out of the financial crisis, there was so much change in behavior, short-term change in behavior. People thought, oh my God, 
all of this stuff will change. But then when you look at meaning, what meaning teaches us is that meaning changes gradually over time. Meaning is kind of like a glacier and there's a slow, continuous movement. Not only can you track it, you can measure it, you can model it, you can predict it with much greater accuracy than you can do with behavior. And it allows our clients in particular to do exactly or to avoid exactly the problem that Bill Gates is highlighting there, right? Because if we overestimate short-term change, we're going to make big mistakes, uh, especially when we're trying to innovate because innovation isn't cheap. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. Well, let's take that right back to the coffee example. Um, if you look at, you know, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, when a cup of coffee was just a cup of Joe at Dunkin' Donuts, when we started to see a shift and a change, it was largely linked back to, um, you know, fair trade farming. It was how farmers were being treated. And that is essentially the behavior that started to kind of shape and transition how people were thinking about coffee. Now, if you just put all your bets onto fair trade coffee, you are missing the bigger picture or the meanings that were starting to assemble around that. Meanings like sophistication, meanings like being worldly, meanings like, can I take something like a cup of coffee and understand that it comes from different regions, has these different tasting notes? That ladders to something that's much bigger, which is really the ability to kind of exert social capital in a new occasion. Again, all of a sudden, coffee becomes like wine. I know a lot about wine and people respect me for it. Now I have the opportunity to do it in this new occasion. At the end of the day, if you'd make a bet on that short-term behavior change, which is in and around something like fair trade farming, if you don't zoom out and take a look at how that is being impacted by all these different associations, you don't have the full picture and you don't have a really clear gamut on what you can be doing to make long-term investment and long-term inroads. So how do we then look at what happened 10 years ago and kind of, you know, coffee being a great example, but was there another example that sticks out to you of where we kind of, or, you know, the royal we missed the boat on the changing meaning of something that brought us to today? And, and I'll give you a little kind of what I mean by that. We're in a pandemic world. Look at what happened in the United States in 2016. You know, things mm -hmm. seem to be changing at a rapid pace. What did we miss 10 years ago? I, I mean, there, there, there are so many things. Uh, I'll use one example, which I think maybe a little over 10 years ago, but a great example is, um, you know, what happened with the iPod. And a lot of people don't realize this or don't know this story. There's a reason why the iPod had white earbuds while everybody else had black earbuds. There's a reason for that because an anthropologist figured out that there was this myth developing in culture of these, he called them cyberpunks, of these people who were downloading music for free. They were using Napster and all these other tools and they believed music should be freely accessible to everybody. And there was this myth developing that they needed a community of their own. And this was a community that uh, was sort of growing in, in strength and, and needed validation. And what the iPod or what Apple very cleverly did, ironically, a couple of years later, their strategy completely pivoted. But what they brilliantly did was they launched their campaign with first a white earbud because it was clearly recognizable. I could be walking the streets and people would know 
that I'm an illegal downloader because I had white earbuds. So that was one thing. The second thing they did was their campaign was literally called, people forget this, Rip, Mix, Burn. Can you imagine that? Apple launched saying, go rip the music, mix it, burn it onto your CD, right? Burn it onto your device. And through that, they created meaning around this device that meant that you were a punk. You were willing to kind of stick it to the system, so to speak. You just gave me chills. There's so much to unpack there because I'm thinking now, look at what has happened as a result of attaching that cool kid meaning to that device culturally now. And I mean, I think this is a whole other conversation we need to have is like, what does this mean for the next 10 years? Because we are at another huge pivot point culturally, globally, societally. Um, So, I mean, I want to go there. I think that's where we should go in the next episode. How do you guys feel about that? Sounds great. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I always like to say that uh, cliches exist for a reason. Um, And I love the cliche, you know, you need to see the forest for the trees. And, you know, part of uh, studying meaning is really taking that step back and really understanding the full scope of, of what's impacting something that matters to you. All right. Well, I think that that's just a taste of what's to come on this podcast. Uh, I hope you're as excited as we are to continue these conversations. Uh, if you want to contribute to the conversation, make sure you drop us an email at hello at storystudionetwork.com. Make sure you like this podcast and hit the subscribe button because trust me, there's lots more goodness coming. Uh, that's it for us for this episode. We will see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to Why Meaning Matters with Ushwal R. Kulgood, Jason Partridge, and your host, Aaron Trafford. Inconceivable. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Why Meaning Matters is produced for Motive Base and the Story Studio Network by Eye Contact Productions. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.